It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger, talking college football and anything else we feel like discussing. I don't really know that I want to talk college football this week, TJ. Can we maybe decide our pod's going to be about, like, I don't know, fall farm activities or something. I don't know, something, anything other than college football. We could talk um, different kinds of chili. We could talk cheese boards. We could talk bounce houses. Um, you know, I go, like a good charcuterie board. Um, which is what I had for dinner last night. Leftovers. Oh, perfect. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah, not the best weekend. Um for Florida, not a great weekend for Florida State either, but maybe a few moral victories to take away from the game. But yeah, Florida's. Um, we can start with that. We'll get your your pain out of the way. But uh, not a great showing from from UF at all. Actually, not. I'll say this: not the most terrible. Maybe the first twenty five minutes of the uh, of the first. Honestly, half. you take away the, and obviously you can't do this, right? So, like, I'm not. This is not saying. Florida almost won or anything like that. But if you take away the last two and a half minutes of the second quarter, this Florida still loses, but it looks a lot more like it felt when you watched it. I think mm-hmm. um, the last two and a half minutes of the second quarter killed Florida. They killed. I, I mean, think about how close Florida was to going into halftime down three, nothing had they gone into halftime down three, nothing that second half might have turned out entirely differently. I mean, maybe it doesn't, but there's almost no coming back from being down 24, nothing. So, but three, nothing going into the locker room down three, nothing has Georgia concerned and has Florida feeling pretty good about themselves. Um, That last two and a half minutes was just kind of filled with some, you know, questionable decision-making on the coaching staff, questionable decision-making on Richardson, some bad luck thrown in. Um, It was a miserable two and a half minutes to watch and it sealed Florida's fate. And, but you know what, we, something you and I talked about, we watched this game together. um, And something you and I talked about is it's Mullen was in a no win situation. And a part of that is of his own doing, but you know, if Florida wins that game with Anthony Richardson as the starter, the fans are going to say what could have been had Mullen started him earlier, right? They lose that game, but in a close fashion, let's, let's just say the last two and a half minutes don't happen in that second quarter, but the rest of the game plays out as it does. And the game finishes, you know, much closer than it was. Then the, the line's going to be if AR had started earlier in the season, 
and gotten more reps under his belt instead of his first start coming against the number one defense in the country, maybe that turns out differently. What did happen is that Florida got blown out. And I have seen so many fans say things like, you know, Mullen put AR in a bad position on purpose. He wanted to prove that, like, see, this is why I didn't go with for him, go with him. Um, and I don't know that I think any of those scenarios are fair, but I think that it was very hard for Mullen to have walked out of this weekend um, winning it. You know, not just winning the game, but kind of winning the perception um, of the weekend. I think that Anthony Richardson looked like people that have been watching practice for the last two years kind of expected him to look like, which is raw. I think he is very talented, right? I think that his ceiling is higher than Emory Jones's, which is what makes him intriguing. And at this point, if the season's over anyway, that's maybe who you ride to get that game experience. But I do think that this kind of showed that like, hey, maybe this is why things were the way that they were. And Emory came in and I don't, like I said, I think AR has a higher ceiling than Emory, but Emory had a better showing against Georgia than Anthony Richardson had. Um, He seemed a little bit more in control and some of that might be experience in the system, his age. I I mean, I, I, at this moment, neither one of them are world beaters. Right. And go ahead. Yeah. I think that's the big takeaway is that there have been times where Emory has come out and, and looked pretty good and there have been times when Richardson's come out and looked pretty good. And a lot of the Richardson hype, and I'm not saying – I agree with you that he has a higher ceiling. But a lot of the Richardson hype came very late in games against really bad opponents. And so – And yes, kind of fluky things, right? Where, right, like, the average really, fan maybe doesn't know that he totally made the wrong read, but he's right. athletic and something it's, good came out of it. It's thrilling that he leaps over a guy. Sure. He runs for a 75-yard run. But – when you're doing that late in the game against a terrible FSU or FSU too, but USF team or FAU team, or you know, he, he had some really, really nice plays against LSU. He dropped, mm-hmm. but but that's just what youth and being raw is. Like he's an athlete, and so he drops a pass perfectly in the right. bread basket against LSU for a touchdown that gets Florida back in the game. And then he throws like one of the worst passes you've ever seen a quarterback throw to end that game. And so it's just very hot and cold, and that's sure. That's what you get. And he was he was fine through the first, like you said, 25 minutes, but then obviously just an awful five minutes for UF overall. You know, he had the two the two picks and a fumble um, that, you know, kind of sealed Florida's fate. Once they went down sure. to 24 nothing. I don't think anybody thought sure. that they were going to come back in, in the second half. And so, right, yeah, it's just – you know, I don't know if Mullen caved to all the pressure around, you know, start Anthony, start Anthony, start Anthony, but it didn't necessarily look like he was ready for right. this game. It, you know, it's inter- it'll be interesting. I just to think see it's who- really clear to like, it needs to be made clear that it's asinine to think that he wasn't ready purposefully, right? He could not be ready because either A, he doesn't have the skill set, B, he's still learning the system, C, God knows what. But the idea that Mullen didn't prepare him purposefully or called plays to put him in a poor position is asinine. Right? I mean, that's, I think so. Yeah, I don't think Mullen, uh, I mean, I, I think, think that's Mullen just crazy talk. Like fed into the wolves. I do think, I mean, I think it's the other side of things. I think it's that what you've seen from Mullen in, in a lot of his career is that he's going to most of the time ride with those guys that have a little bit more seniority mm-hmm. 
He's going to favor those guys, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's fair or not, whether you think Anthony's the future or not, whether you think Emory sucks or not. That's typically going to be his M.O. and what he's going to do. I honestly don't really have a problem with that. I I think if you're the younger guy, you have to be way more talented and further along in your development than somebody your age normally is. And it's not about favoritism. It's about it makes more sense that a guy that's been in the system longer gets it better, knows it more, has more trust instilled in him. That's not a, I just like older guys because I've developed some sort of relationship with them because they've been in my system kind of thing. That is, that's logic, right? Somebody that can come in that's super young and take the place of an older guy has something special. And I'm not saying AR doesn't have something special. I think that he can be, but I just, that is not the norm. I think if you, you know, like we've talked about, everybody loves the backup quarterback, but I think if you were to play either one of these quarterbacks for the first eight games of Florida's season, I, I don't see any result necessarily going much differently. Right. Like I, I think the right. record well, is probably maybe I think the record is probably four and four just like it is right now. Like and so, you know, I'm certainly not gonna And maybe that's an too. argument for Anthony Richardson then, right? Because you, you know, have a younger guy that you have longer to develop and have longer to be in your system. I, I don't know. I just think, and I've been saying this for weeks, I hesitate to say that I know better. Than the guy that's getting paid seven million dollars who watches practice, if which practice- is which is rare because most people on Twitter do know better than Dan. Well, Dan that's true, Dan. and so it's rare that like <laughs> it's just humility that you're showing by not thinking that you know better. Well, so. listen, you know, if practices were open or something, maybe I would have a different opinion. But we just fancy ten percent of what actually goes on. So it's really difficult to make a judgment on that ten percent, especially when this isn't my job, right? If I was uh, a college football coach, maybe I could more clearly look at the situation and, and, and get in Mullen's head or something like that. But that, I don't know. I just think it's kind of silly for all of us to sit here and talk about uh, what Mullen should have done differently when we're not in his shoes. I mean, and we uh, can- it's, it's, it's kind of asinine. Like you said, like, you know, football coaches know, that if they want to continue, although one of the best jobs in America is to be a fired football coach, but football coaches know that if they want to continue coaching, they're not out there purposely trying to spite themselves. They're going to put, they're going to put guys on the field that make the most sense and and are the best, unless the coach is just completely incompetent. Right. Right. And then in that situation, you could kind of say, and I don't think, I think, you know, there are a lot of, um, complaints and concerns and things being raised about Dan Mullen right now, but I don't think anybody would say that he's completely incompetent. No. He's too stupid to know which quarterback to right. go with, right? Like, so right. it's it's just always been, well, and you know, it's I just think always that- been kind of annoying to see like, oh, if, if we had this guy in, we're probably undefeated. And then you kind of like see, although Georgia is probably the best team in the country and right. has the best defense in the country, undoubtedly. And, you know, Georgia's defense scored more than any other unit, you know, well, you know, gave their offense – balls and short fields and pick six sure. and things like their defense essentially won them that game. But, you know, it's funny to think that, Oh, if we had just done this one thing, like Mullen just didn't have any kind of clue as to right. who should be starting or what should be going or care play. what the outcome of this game is. And that I think is another point that right. is annoying to me. 
as a fan, you do not want the win more than the people in that football building, right? Like in that locker room, in that football facility, those people inside there, either their future depends on it if they're a player. And, and I mean, I guess as a coach too, or they're, you know, whether or not they put food on the table depends on it. I know Mullen makes seven million a year, but I promise you that defensive analyst in there who's making, you know, 47 really wants this win to happen so that he can advance his career so that his wife can quit work and stay home. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there's so many things dependent on winning that go on in that building. So the idea that somebody that played high school football and is sitting on their couch at home, you know, wants that win more drives me nuts. And I think part of that is I know the kind of things that Eric went through when he played at Florida. I know some of the things that went on at the t- during the time my brother was at Florida. And I mean, those are times when two national championships were won. And I know the kind of things that fans did in the good times. So yeah. I can really only imagine some of the things that are that are being done and said now that it's, you know, not some of the good times. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It's very irritating to me. I think you can rightfully criticize play. I even think you can question, you know, decisions that are made and things like that. I just think questioning effort um, is annoying to me. Yeah. So Georgia looked like they had some kinks in the armor um, Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Starting a backup quarterback, right? Like, I think that'll be very interesting to see if JT Daniels can get back. Yeah, starting a backup quarterback, but a backup quarterback that played pretty much the entire season last year, too. So it's not like... Yeah, but they they certainly look... He had more game experience than either quarterback Florida put on the field. Yeah, I mean, but if you watched the games last year with Bennett compared to Daniels, I mean, Daniels was an automatic upgrade when he came in. I get that, but... But, I, but game experience doesn't mean anything if the guy sucks. Not, I, but I, he doesn't I suck. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think Setson Bennett sucks. I think he's not as good as Daniels. But I don't think he sucks. And I, and again, I mean, I, he's I played more he's, games than either of the quarterbacks a, Florida started. He's a serviceable backup at at best. He he threw fifty five percent last year, which was really really bad. Yeah, he had eight touchdowns to six interceptions. You know, I, I don't think he's very good. Um, and they didn't let him throw the ball at all. Like he had 19 yeah. passing attempts in the game. Two of those picked off. I think Georgia knew that they could just kind of run the ball and wait for right. Florida to make the mistakes. But I mean, and Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson had more passing attempts than Stetson Bennett did. Florida threw the ball 35 times compared to Bennett yeah. who threw it 19 times. And so yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see what JT Daniels outlook looks like, because if he gets back, um, you know, his statistics I- compared to what, Bennett's look like um I mean he's much more accurate he has a much better touchdown to, to interception you know it, it will be I think it'll be different if they can get yeah. him back now George is lucky in the fact that they don't play anybody the rest of the right week. um they, they right. have Missouri who's at home this weekend they're a 38 point favorite against they do have Tennessee who's playing much much better as of late Tennessee's four and four yeah. as well um so they have Tennessee, and then they play a couple of cupcakes. They play Charleston Southern and at Georgia Tech to finish out the year. Obviously, they'll play Bama unless something crazy happens in Atlanta, but um, they don't play anybody the rest of the way. And with the – we'll talk about the playoff rankings coming out in just a minute, but with Bama UGA at one and two, that is certainly setting up for a uh, both of those teams to get into the playoff if Bama – Regardless. Uh, yeah, yeah, if Georgia yeah. – Georgia, wins i do think it knocks bama out unless yeah. enough craziness happens but if george if bama wins i think they're both in um, yeah 
So um, I do think I, I, I think that Georgia is less solid than I thought they were prior to Florida playing that game. I mean, Georgia's a great team. I'm not taking away from that, but I definitely don't think that this Georgia team is unbeatable. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, so Daniels was available um, on Saturday, but just didn't play. Well, which so, is an interesting concept, right? Because being clear, medically cleared and being a hundred percent are definitely not the same thing. So maybe Georgia was that confident that they didn't need him and they wanted him to rest another week. I don't know. Yeah. I think it may maybe they would have put him in if they needed to, if, if things had gotten kind of sideways. south. Yeah. Um, which is risky, but sure. it obviously worked out well enough right. for them. Right. Um, so, um, okay, other side. So we'll talk a little bit more about Florida in just a few minutes. Florida State also drops a game on Saturday um, to Clemson. Florida State was a 10-point underdog. In fact, we picked Florida, we both picked Florida State. I bet on up, Florida State. Uh, Thanks did a lot, you get guys. it? At, did you get it at 10 and a half, 10 or nine and a half? Nine and a half, it? I think. Uh, so we betted it here on um on uh the show at 10 so we put we at least pushed on the show so at least yeah. you have that going for you uh florida state ends up losing by 10 on on kind of a freak last play totally. i mean they they, they you know we'll, eric we'll, was so excited because he we'll, took clemson we'll pull out the um the moral victory hat and and say that you know florida state played clemson closer than 10 points right and, and yeah. really had yeah. a chance at the end i thought that they was played, kind of crazy at the end yeah, so I mean, if you're listening to this, you've, you've probably seen it, but just a hook and ladder that ended up being a fumble at the five, and Clemson picked it up and walked it in with no time left. So uh, Florida State was down twenty to twenty four with six seconds left, and, and then on the last play, that kind of happened. But uh, Florida State led in this game with five and a half minutes to go. Actually, led in this game and had the ball with um, under three minutes to go, under two minutes to go, and, and could not. Um, I'm sorry, no. When they led, it was three and a half minutes to go. Uh, Florida State had a lead thanks to a strip sack. Ended up giving the ball right back to Clemson, and Clemson scored to go up by four, and then Florida State could not um, answer back. And so Clemson ends up winning, but I don't know. As happy as you could be with a loss, I mean, you're never really happy, but Florida State was never really – Florida State did not deserve to be in this game. Um, I thought Clemson, or I don't think, Clemson missed several field goals in which they kind of could have put this game a little bit more out of reach. Florida State wasn't able to score in the second half outside of a strip sack fumble touchdown um, with four or five minutes left to go. That's what kind of gave Florida State fans some hope at the end, and then Clemson was able to answer with a touchdown and end up winning. Um, but, you know, if you look, I guess if you <laughs> – I guess the silver lining is if you look at the last few years against Clemson, we've lost by like 50 and 40 and 30. And so losing by 10, I guess, is a little bit better. Uh, Florida State gets to three and five on the season, probably ends all hope of bowl eligibility. I think if they'd have won that game, I think I like them to win two of the next four and, and make a bowl. I don't think I like them to win three of the next four, especially when – one of those is Florida in the swamp, and one of those is a Miami team that kind of seems resurgent right now. So right. Um, I think it'd be really, really tough to, to get three more wins. But but I do think they could get two. I'm not saying it's a lock for them to get two, but um looks better against Clemson. 
Clemson's defense is just so, so good. And Florida State's offense is so run heavy and so one-dimensional in that aspect that we really just couldn't get much going. Um, our one big touchdown was a 75-yard uh, wheel route, speaking of the Florida-Georgia game from last year, um, that uh, they tackled the running back, but he never actually went down. Like his knee never hit, and he just kept running and tightrope the sideline, and we ended up scoring. So – Really outside of those two kind of fluky plays. I don't know. I don't want to call the I don't want to call the wheel route fluky, but outside of one long offensive play and one kind of strip sack, Florida State scored seven points on the day. And that's just not usually enough. Enough so, to get it done. So they hung around though and they kind of fought till the end and and dropped a close one to Clemson. And you'd like to see, you know, we're eight games in, three and five. Um haven't seen any quit out of the team just yet. So you'd, you'd hope that coming home against NC state, another winnable game, Florida state's a three point underdog. You'd hope that going to that NC state game, guys are kind of fired up to, to play. It's an afternoon game. It's a four o'clock kick back in Doak. Obviously it'd be fun to come back to Doak with a win against yeah. Clemson, but if guys can kind of keep playing hard and given maximum effort, then I think that's what matters. I think what was sold to the recruits on the recruiting chair was we're going to go six and six this year. And uh, you'll be the class that comes in and helps us. And go makes it And then your next year we'll, we'll win nine or 10 games and, and we'll go and do that. I think if Florida State can find a way to get to five, you can go back to them and just say like, we, we dropped one game that we weren't supposed right. to. Four is kind of like, uh, you're, man, you really underperformed. But if you can get to five, I think that that's. Do you think they even sell recruits a specific number, or do you think they just sell them on like, listen, I, we got a long way to go. We are improvement. There's a lot of improvement. Everybody's bought in, and you guys are going to make the difference. As opposed to like, hey, this is what we think. Because think about that getting back to your locker room prior to it ever happening. Because I mean, do you think Norvell's going to stand up in the beginning of the season and be like, all right, listen, guys, six and six. I'll be happy with six and six. That's no, probably our ceiling. I mean, you want them I to think, think that they can win any game. Yeah, I think it's different messaging, but I think the team's, you know, the team's not dumb. Like the team knows when they're going, like, you know, McKenzie Milton knew that he was transferring into a three win program, right? You know, that Jordan Travis was the quarterback and led the team on a, in a three win program. I, I don't think that any floor. And so to answer your question, to go back, I mean, that is absolutely what was told to the recruits. Like I've been told that by people in the know it was like that. They told the recruit like, we're going six and six and you're going to watch us double the win total. And then you're going to come in here and we're going to increase it again. So like to answer your question, like, yes, that is absolutely what was told to them. Um, but I don't know. I don't think that the, the locker room's not stupid, you know, yeah. I, mean, I think they know when and what's happening and what's, you know, what the outlook of certain games is going in and where the deficiencies are on the program. And, you know, that it's a rebuild and things like that. I think, when you have people like Willie Taggart that come in and say like, we're going to win right now. We're going to win and win a lot. We're going to be fast and we're going to be great. And right. This is, this is full steam ahead. And then you win five games. It's a little different, right? Where yeah. as Norvell has been a little bit more transparent with like, Hey, we're going to work to grow and build. And we're not happy with last year's results, but we're going to get better this year. Well, if they yeah. get the five wins, I mean, I do think they have gotten better this year. Um, so you know, Florida State went on a three-game win streak and then essentially played Clemson as close as you could. Obviously, the final score doesn't really show that because of some fluky stuff at the end. But if they can uh, find a way to beat NC State, you get to four wins. 
And I, I do. I think the most likely win that they can have um, going down the stretch is going to be Boston College, who who is really, really bad. Their quarterback's been out for a while. Um, I still think Miami and Florida win those two games, but we'll see what Miami looks like these, you know, this next week. And we'll see what Florida looks like against three bad opponents. I mean, I do think Florida State's the best team left on Florida's schedule, but that schedule is really, really bad coming down here the stretch. And, and I do think Florida ends up going 4-0 in it. But we'll see how, how much of a free fall UF goes into after their season's essentially over too. Um, but I, I'd still probably take Florida by – I don't know, 10 or 14 in that game at this point, you know, I, I think that Florida state will be, we will preview that game later, but I think Florida state will be able to run the ball. Okay. On Florida, but I just don't, I think that when it all kind of comes down to it, Florida is probably two touchdowns better. So we'll see. Um, but if they can upset somebody, then maybe they can make a bowl. Um, speaking of recruiting, some recruiting comments came out this week and I want to get your take on them. Yeah. I think Dan Mullen um, needs a PR person to – he needs a um, – like a Jin Saki or somebody <laughs> like to, to yeah. like field his questions. Like there's a reason yeah. that like Joe well, Biden very, so very rarely answers questions in front of this country, but um, he needs somebody that's a little bit more well-spoken. I think Dan Mullen gives off like – and. I understand that he's probably very annoyed that his team is four and four. I understand he's probably very annoyed that his team got blown out in their biggest rivalry game of the year. I understand that he's annoyed that there's a lot of pressure and other things, but he just comes off as incredibly sassy and incredibly annoyed when he's asked different so, questions. And, you know, it, Kirby, for those that are listening, Kirby smart was asked about recruiting this weekend, gave an answer, paraphrasing. Oh, recruiting is the most important thing on this uh, we're you know, recruiting 24 7 yeah. 365 and he if we're not somebody else is somebody else and he is. essentially he like, said he said the best coaches in the country can't, can't. out coach yep. recruiting and then the next day david waters of gators breakdown good buddy of mine asked coach mullen hey recruiting has been brought up a couple of different times um obviously a direct result um or a deck almost a direct reply to what kirby's response right he asked mullen hey is there maybe a different approach to you like what are the thoughts around recruiting and mullen just very shortly snapped back and said we're not talking about recruiting we'll do recruiting when the season's over but right now it's football season next question <laughs> and so, so i i think that he is like the covid thing wanting full stadiums and like other things that he's kind of been snippy about I think he just doesn't do himself any favors with the way that he responds like an asshole. And that's what um, he did to Dave the other day. And I think he could have handled that much better. And I think it was a terrible look. So I'll let so you know. So I have several thoughts on these. First of all, the press conference that Mullen had after Florida, Georgia, I think a lot of people walked away from being like, wow, this is Dan's best co press conference since things started to head south, he took some accountability. He took, you know, blame on himself. He talked about some of their deficiencies. He actually seemed way less snappy mm -hmm. than he had in, you know, the three previous press conferences to that. So I think that there was a lot of people on Monday that were like, man, Dan gets it, right? Yeah. He 
he took some accountability. And I will say, I don't think that Dan Mullen likes doing this media stuff. He is contractually obligated to do it. Some coaches like it, right? Some coaches like to joke with the media. I think Steve Spurrier is one that is, you know, was always so good with the media and funny. Even if he was totally smarky, like he, uh, there was some playful banter. I don't know that I think that that's ever been Mullen's bag, right? And so then it's really not his bag when things are not going well. But I think that everybody thought that went really well supposedly Mullen was pissed about how long that press conference went on and that he was up there as long as he was, which is an interesting, uh, you know, tidbit because he really did come off, I, I think pretty well. Um, I guess there's been some uh, people that have been out from the communications department. I don't know, uh, you know, for what reason or whatever, but the people managing it were, I guess, not the normal people that run the press conference. And so I think maybe it's a little bit more controlled um, in other times, but then go to Monday, right? Dave Waters asked this question. I, I talked with Dave uh, briefly either yesterday or today. I can't remember. They all kind of run together. And he kind of, he had the same take on it that I got from reading all of these things, which is really that it was a really bad quote from Mullen, but it was also really taken out of context by like everybody else in the media. And I think Dave actually even feels a little bit bad about that, which he shouldn't because it was a completely legitimate question. I think specifically following up to what Kirby had said after the Florida Georgia game, it's a legitimate question to ask about recruiting. I think that it's obvious that Dan Mullen is not a world beater recruiting wise. I do think it's important to mention that he finished with the top seven and the top eight class the last two years. So he's also not horrific at it, right? Um, I think that the Florida standard is higher than seven or eight for your recruiting class, but I don't think that those are horrible, horrible numbers either. I personally don't know that I think that what we saw on Saturday was really a huge result of Georgia recruiting better. Florida beat Georgia last year. I think there you could probably look at coaching even more so than you could look at recruiting just for what happened on Saturday. But Mullen's answer was to the question about talking about recruiting. And I think if you read a lot of, especially from reporters who weren't in that room or well on that zoom, but you know, involved in that press conference, you would get the feeling that Mullen was saying he's not recruiting until recruiting season, which is not what he was saying. He was saying he's right. not going to discuss because, because recruiting. He because he, and here's why, and I completely agree with you. He did not say that we are not recruiting his, 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 he actually did say that, but what he meant. We're not talking was, about recruiting right now. And that is again, Mullen shooting him himself in the face, getting the fan base to hate him even more because he sounds like a whiny little, you know what, when he gets his feelings hurt. And I know he doesn't like media, neither does Greg Popovich, but Greg Popovich won like six NBA titles. So he could be an a-hole right. when, when people ask right. him questions. So Mullen was very well aware of Kirby's answer. Mullen was very well aware that Dave was asking him that in response to Kirby's sure, answer. Sure. And so he was a short, whiny little brat I about it. I think he could have and had so, a much better so answer. Because of that, his words do get twisted and his yeah. words get taken literally instead of instead how he of made in them. the context that they were meant. Mike Norvell's team is three and five, right. worse than Dan Mullins. Right. Not even close, right? Right. And today, recruiting continues to be brought up. And Mike Norvell just lost on the road against a rival. Well, and Norvell, <laughs> Norvell said, be real dumb today after what Mullen said yesterday and Kirby said on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Well, I've never to seen not give that. the answer that he gave. 
And, and to be very honest with you, Mullen's the only coach in America that I think has made an answer like this on the whole recruiting yeah. thing. But Norvell came out and just all you have to do is do coach speak. All you have sure, to do. Because they're not Mullen actually supposed so, to mention any coach, yeah, any pair at all. You Kirby's have to be response, very general. Kirby's response wasn't that. I was talking with somebody on the FSU beat tonight. Kirby's response wasn't impressive. I mean, it was the right answer, but like right he, answer. Didn't, he didn't say anything that was like, oh my gosh, Kirby Smart. Like, how did you think? Did right. Kirby Smart, like, he's the first one to think of always be recruited. Like, no, everyone's always said that. Like, that's right. just, it's like right. always be closing. Like, it's you like know, a sales thing. And so Norvell was asked about it today. 100% coach speak. Really excited about the guys we've been able to bring in here. There's a lot of momentum. We're excited what FSU is doing right now. The guys like that we're showing improvement. Boom. Next question. Right. And so well, Mullen sounded snarky and whiny and bratty, and his words end up getting taken out of context. Literally, so, well, out of context, but also literally, right. if you say something without thinking and without being deliberate and sounding like a brat, people are going to take you at your word. Right, sure. it's not my job to figure out what Dan Mullen's so, hidden meaning let's is. Play, let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Well, first of all, it's not really his hidden meaning. He the quest they we're not doing recruiting right now. We're not talking about recruiting right now. Is exactly what, what he meant. That's not what he but, said though. That's I mean, what he said was we're not doing recruiting. Will the person that asked the question knew exactly what he was saying? That's not and what. His, and and every think piece and every article and every recruit that has seen it since then has a di- like nobody on social media no but like now all these think pieces are coming out from the athletic and everywhere else well and i want to talk about that athletic piece as well if we can they there was an article that came out that talked about um some SEC coaches who anonymously went on the record and talked about the problems that they saw at florida and this is my issue with that right? They could be completely right. Okay. But there is zero benefit to an SEC coach anonymously saying positive things about Florida. It's not going to happen, but there's a great opportunity for coaches to go on the record without having to attach their name to it and getting into recruits' heads by talking poorly about the University of Florida. So everything that they said could very well have been accurate, but I don't, I think it's really disingenuous for us to pretend like, and not uh, when I say us, I don't mean us on the show, I mean just people in general, to pretend like these SEC coaches don't have some stake in making the other programs that they're recruiting against look bad. That's true, but have you seen any of those other thing pieces about anybody else? Well, and that's interesting too, because why like, are they not out about going... LSU? They could be. I I think that LSU, with their coaching change and other things that are happening, like LSU is kind of like you. You did they see couldn't have that. written this you about did... Ed O last year. I mean, did and bringing his girlfriend's people... kids to practice and some did... of the stuff that has come out since he got fired. I mean, I don't know. I think that Florida. I has think given you could them... have. I think Florida's given them an opportunity to do that with really how they okay. played over the last Florida's year. Florida's not performed well this year. That's not a secret. That's not something that, uh, you know, that's Florida has had a disappointing season to for everybody, for fans, for players, for coaches, for everybody involved. This has not played out the way that Florida had hoped that the season would play out. But I don't, I just, 
it's very disingenuous for us to act like these coaches out of the goodness of their heart or their concern for, you know, the, this just isn't the Gators that we expected. No, this is every opportunity to take a shot at them. And look, I, you know, I think that there needs to be some media counseling that's going on at UF. Let's circle the wagons. Let's, you know, figure out a way to deliver our message because we're missing well, the mark. Instead of that, they just shut down all media availability. <laughs> instead of instead of dealing yeah. with it, they just called a lid so that they wouldn't have to talk with any more media or nothing else could get misconstrued, which well, is fine, but also, again, not which, a good look. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm fine with it i wish well if my coach continued to put his foot in his mouth i'd want him to shut up too so yes i agree with you on that i just don't know that there's any winning right so with that question do you say um you know our our recruiting is going well because guess what it's not so uh, then is he disingenuous because he lied about the class that he's putting together do you like what is the answer that satisfies Uh, um winning on the field. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. But okay. You're nobody, Dan Mullen. And I ask you that. What do you say? What was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> Pretend Sorry, I'm Dave gonna... Waters <laughs> and I'm asking you, you know, about recruiting. You know, about recruiting. What is oh, the correct gosh. answer you that say... doesn't make him look like he's lying about the class that he's lost people at this year that's ranked like, you know, 30 something right now? I mean, I think you just give a BS fluff. Hey, we're really excited about the guys that are going to come in here and be program changers and make differences. But we're really, really excited about the guys on this year's team too. And we're focused on South Carolina, but we are absolutely over the moon Always about recruiting. those guys that are coming yeah. in next. You know, yeah. I don't know. Like that's not that hard. I'm, well, I'm, like, you know, I'm not making seven million dollars a year, and I can. Here's the BS. crazy thing too: Florida gets asked that question while they're winning. Let's say their class is the same ranking, but they're winning, right? Nobody cares that Dan Mullen says we're not talking about recruiting. We're talking about not. a team. But you can't. You can't be so. Uh, Kobe was an a hole, and Michael Jordan was an a hole, and LeBron's actually a pretty nice guy. So like it, that, and like before Tom got to Tampa, he was an a hole, right? Like yeah. every, everyone that went, it's not really a problem if you're winning, but you can't be an a hole and a loser. Yeah, they, I guess, you know, like that's kind of that's yeah, kind of the point, right? Jimbo yeah. was an asshole, like. Oh, well, you know, the craziest part about all of this is that Dan Mullen behind closed doors is actually the nicest out of all the guys we've had coaching probably our last five coaches. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's not necessarily nice to the media or comes off that way, but in real life, Dan Mullen is actually the nicest well, guy out of all of those ones well, he, that we've had. He comes off like a jerk and you can't come off like a jerk unless you're winning. And lose, right. You know, right. and that's, I think that that's fair. Yeah. I'm interested to see. So I have some theories about why this is the way it is too. And I, and I mean, I could be completely wrong, but one of the things that Mullen said, um, one of the times that we were up in Gainesville, his very first season was that the guys that he had inherited were scared of losing, that they didn't love. It's not that they loved winning and hated losing, that they were scared of losing and they didn't know how to have fun. And that he, um, felt like part of his job was letting them see that this game that they play is fun, right? And I think that that was an important lesson year one. But now fast forward to this year and, you know, you look at Florida's sideline and you see the specialists pretending that they're a stationary bike, right? Like a human stationary bike. And, you know, they're crowd surfing amongst themselves on the sideline when we're down against Alabama, but made a good play and things like that. And things that, and then you couple that with a lot of penalties, 
and lack of fundamentals. I think that it really sends the message that this is a disciplined, an undisciplined team. And it makes me wonder if that all stems like, like how do you switch that, flip that switch from let me teach these guys that this game is fun and remind them why they love it and why they're playing it to, okay, time to buckle down because Saban wouldn't have let any of that stuff fly on the sidelines. Right. And, and those are things that were pointed out early in the season when Florida still had, there was very high hopes for Florida still was like, yikes, those are not the kind of things that Meyer would have let fly. Those are not the kind of things that Muschamp would have let fly. Those are Nick Saban would have sacrificed somebody at halftime had he seen some of those things. And I think that, you know, in isolation, they're fun and playful and things like that, but back up and look at the bigger picture and see where there is other aspects that are very undisciplined. It's all kind of, connected. Um, and I do wonder if that's where that stems from. Is that just like, how do you flip back? And maybe, uh, honestly, maybe that's not even, maybe that's savage, right? Maybe that's something that strength coach has to be in charge of being the complete asshole because that's his role to play. That's kind of the role that Mick always played for, for Urban Meyer. I don't know. I just, there has got to be more discipline in that locker room and accountability. Um, and while Mullen's the head coach, it starts with him. I'm I'm not sure who the person is that enforces that on a day to day, but I am I I think that it's probably position coaches and strength coaches more so even than Dan Mullen. It's got to come from him. The orders have to come from the general. That's how that works. But um, I don't know. So Florida plays four bad teams to finish out the year, and I think they'll get a little bit of a boost thanks mm-hmm. to that. Sure. Um, I think it's a little artificial, but I think that you'll you'll take any boost you can get at this point. Sure. Um, it's probably very similar to the boost they had at the beginning of the year by playing FAU and USF and having Anthony Richardson dunk all over people and then having to run into the meat of the schedule. But I do think Florida will go 4-0, and I think that if they were to lose any of the four games, it would be pretty unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um to lose any yeah. Missouri is really, really bad. Um, uh, South Carolina is really, really bad. Uh, has no offense at all. And then who is it? Samford. And then they, they do get FSU, which I think Florida State's playing better and improved. But I still, like I said, I still think Florida should win that by two touchdowns. I think Florida will probably come out as a 13-ish, 14-point favorite, which would, would just kind of be my guess um, in that game. And so – you know, I, I guess we'll see what Florida State does between now and then. If if they go three and zero in their next yeah. few games, maybe I'll I'll change my mind on that. But if the two teams play today, I, I think I'd take Florida by a couple of touchdowns. Um, so I think they'll finish this year in eight and four. And then I know you don't think they are, but bowl games are relatively meaningless when you have guys on both sides opting out now and not playing it. Meaningless in the fact of being able to tell anything from bowl games and. I certainly don't believe that winning or losing a bowl game, I guess, unless it's the national championship, means or anything. Or play Oklahoma, because you certainly thought it meant something last year. Well, I was just taking your lead when you said mm-hmm. that it when you said that it meant something. I was you convinced me last year, but I'm back on the not meaning anything bandwagon. Uh, yeah. But Florida's schedule next year um, is interesting. They play Utah game one, and then they play Kentucky, who which was a good game this year. They play USF. Yeah. And they play Tennessee, and they play Eastern Washington and Missouri. So I think they've got a real chance to be 
one, two, three, four, five, six and oh, starting the year, five and one at worst. I do think t- Tennessee is getting a little bit better. Kentucky was not an easy game. No, Kentucky and, and Tennessee are both trending in the right direction. Um, Utah's an interesting one. Um, they're they were really good last year, and they yeah, it's not starting with FAU, that's for sure. They haven't been super, super good this year. Um, five and three currently. So we'll kind of see if I mean I I don't expect Utah to be able to kind of hang with, with Florida in the trenches, but um, but then we get to the meat of the schedule again, and I, I hate to look ahead to Florida's schedule, but then you play just like last year, LSU, Georgia, and Texas A and M in three straight mm-hmm. games, right? There's a bye between the LSU and Georgia game, yeah. And so if Florida starts out six and three again, I'm sorry, six and zero, oh, and then goes zero and three in those games, like nothing has changed. Like all right. Florida does is is beat. And so it'll be really interesting to see what Florida is able to do next year because this year's over, right? Like the best you're going to do is eight and four, maybe nine if you, if you win a bowl game, but the best you're going to do is eight and four, which is a severe disappointment from the fact that I think you predicted 12 and zero, and I even had nine and three. So a little bit surprising that Florida would drop another one when I was trying to give them credit. But um, I think it's going to be interesting for Mon. Like how does he continue? Because just beating I mean, this year they didn't even beat the teams they were supposed to beat. But just right. beating the teams that you're supposed to be is no longer good enough. Sure, right? sure. Like, so I think this is um, this is a gut check moment for my for Mullen. I honestly think this week is a gut check week. I think uh, you know you're right. Obviously, the best Florida can finish during the regular season is eight and four. I would consider that a disappointment overall. However, I do kind of feel like this is a free fall spiral. So stopping that free fall is still important because if you go less than eight and four, then it's a real disappointment. I'm interested to see how Florida comes out against South Carolina. Florida is a much better team than South Carolina, but I, I need to know somewhat, that there's I'll, some continuity behind closed doors. I don't care what I'll, it looks like. Outside. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, I think it's, I don't know. Like, I hate to disagree because I feel like we've agreed on most of the show. So like, of course we're 45 minutes in now, it's time to disagree, but I don't know that the next four weeks are truly stopping a free fall because it of can, how, because but it can get worse. It could it get can. worse. It can get but, worse. But I, There's I guess my take left to the season, it can get worse. So Florida, I take my take there is I just think that Florida is so much better yeah. than all four. Like Florida is going to be a double digit favorite in all four of the games. Again, outside of maybe FSU, winning the next three games and the people thinking that's closer than it is. But I, I just think that. But Florida was a double digit favorite against Kentucky and LSU too. You know, Vegas got those wrong, but Kentucky LSU have are better than all four of these teams are going to play. I mean, you've spent all of the season telling me how bad they were. So I'm just, this is my point. I don't think that Florida winning these next few games, these next four games shows that like they're back. But I think that it shows, okay, we're not still hemorrhaging. You you can really do some considerable damage with four games left in the season still. I think Florida should win these games, but Florida's already lost games that they should have won. So I don't, uh, like, there is more damage to be done, potentially. So I want to know what it's like in the locker room. I want to know that everybody gut-checked, we're ready to complete the job and at hand they should win these four games but they should have won other ones i need to know that they can do what they should do for the last third of the season 
Yeah, I, and like I said, I think it would be very, very disappointing if they were to lose any of them. But um, it's already been disappointing, so I you can, we can't say it's out of the realm of possibilities. I think any of these four losses would be worse than any of the other four. Like any one of these losses would be worse than losing to anyone else. Well, because there, at, at least the teams, teams are worse than the teams that they have lost to. Correct. Yeah. So uh -huh. any of these losses they, would be worse. But I think that it's kind of splitting hairs when you're looking at all games you should win, and then splitting hairs of like, well, you should have won this game, but this team's a little bit better. Like it's. Yeah, but I mean, you go on the road. You go on the road at night to Kentucky, and you know Dan Mullen, unlike your last couple of coaches, has historically struggled with Kentucky, and so like that's not that big of a shock. And then an LSU team that is a train wreck, but very talented. Those two losses are much different than um, losing to like a Sanford or a right. South Carolina or Missouri right. well, again, or even really a Florida State. You know, I, I think the Florida State game would be a little bit worse than losing Kentucky, especially since it's in the swamp. Yeah. You know, as opposed to at Kentucky at night, weird game. I think all four of these losses would be much worse than any other loss that has happened. Uh, yeah. Florida comes out as a big favorite this weekend. And yeah, so, it was like 19 points or something crazy, wasn't uh, it? It's come down just a little bit, but I've got it at 18 right now. But, I mean, they should win that game. I don't think they cover, but I do think they win that. I don't know that I'll ever take Florida to cover again, but well, I'm certainly never taking FSU to cover again, so I won't blame you. They pushed. They pushed. Not what I got them at. Yeah, you should have done more research. Um, Apparently. So let me. I had to bet on something real quick, but anyway. Um, speaking of, all right. So the playoff committee released their first rankings today. Um, mm -hmm. UGA number one, pretty. Sure, we all kind of assumed that. Uh, Bama sure. at number two, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Michigan State undefeated at number three. Oregon at number four with their win over Ohio State. Ohio State at five, first team out. And then undefeated Cincinnati at six. Cincinnati, are they getting screwed here? Because I feel like they should be – I feel like this should be the year that that they should be in, right? Or am I just – am I crazy here? I mean – UCF. Like, I thought with all the chaos, this would be the year – that they put so I think that there's still a chance that Cincinnati gets in at the end of the day. I don't think that they would put them in in the first uh, the first released poll because here's the thing, right? Let's say Ohio. Let's say let's say either the top four or even the, the top five just crush it the remaining the remainder of the season, right? I think that you there could be major argument for jumping Cincinnati, so. I, I almost think they'd prefer to have Cincinnati end up at the end than to have to replace them, especially if they continue to win out at the end. I think the optics are worse to have them in the top four now and not finish in the top four than the optics of not having them in right now and then having them in at the end. But I think they just deserve to be in either way. Like, Well, I mean, their quality win is what, Notre Dame? Yeah, and who is Ohio State's? I mean, I guess Penn State, right? But With a lot, yeah, Penn State this weekend, um, who they were 18-point favorites against, did not cover the spread. Game was very close all the way throughout. No. And then they, they've beaten Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Akron, Tulsa, and Minnesota. Like, yeah. no good wins through there, right? Yeah. Like, so, you know, do you think that Notre Dame is better or Penn State is better? 
Well, I think Penn playoff, better, but the, well, the college football playoff says that they think Notre Dame's better because they yeah. ranked them 11 spots ahead of them, and yeah. that win was at Notre Dame. So yeah. I don't know. I don't understand the justification for having Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati's schedule is any worse than. Well, so Ohio here, States. but things that things take care of themselves a little bit, right? So UGA and Bama will play in the SEC championship game unless somebody drops Does something. Florida still beforehand. have a path to get to that, or no? Michigan State and Ohio State play in two weeks, so that will take that will take care of itself some. And then Ohio State has to play Michigan after that. So so Ohio State will have played the number five team in the country and the number nine team in the country by the time these by the time they even get to the conference championship game, if they're going to end up in the conference championship game. So. Those three, I mean, those two teams, Michigan State and Ohio State, are going to sort themselves out. Um, UGA and Bama have a chance to sort themselves out. If if Georgia beats Alabama, more than likely Alabama's path to the playoffs are over, unless somehow it ends up incredibly close and something else happens, you know, down the ro- road, a la like 2007 or something like that. So they're still, so let's say UGA and Bama get in, and then let's say Ohio State gets in or Michigan State. It's going to be one or the other. It's not going to be both. You're either then looking at Oregon or Cincinnati. And let's see who does Oregon have the rest of the way. I mean, I think Oregon's schedule was pretty uh, light this season. They play Washington, Washington State, Utah, Oregon State, and then they'll play somebody in the uh, Pac-12 championship. At the Pac-12 championship. I mean, I think that there's an argument that Cincinnati will jump Oregon. If Oregon is that fourth team, I think that there's a great chance Cincinnati is actually that fourth team. Oregon's got a better win by beating number three Ohio State to me, uh, or number five Ohio State at this point. Then then Cincinnati? Well, so then – is that then justified for Cincinnati to sit at five if Michigan and Ohio State, Michigan State and Ohio State have sorted each other out? Because whoever ends up there is going to have multiple top 10 wins, whichever yeah. of those two is standing. And multiple top 10 wins is going to carry more weight than Cincinnati's one Notre Dame win. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good point. I think that um, there are also some teams on Cincinnati's schedule coming down the stretch that were not ranked most likely intentionally um right well as for justification um for where they are so this is what i think the problem is right either you're ranking right now based on how you see these teams doing and what these teams continue to have down the stretch which maybe then justifies where they are i don't know or you're ranking only to this point in the season. But then if if you're only ranking to this point in the season, it's not fair to say Ohio State still has two top eight teams or top nine teams left on their schedule to play and put them there. So I think that maybe that's part of the problem is none of us know what the hell is the method to putting them in. And honestly, the college football playoff doesn't actually define what the method is for, for, for putting them in there. And so maybe that's, that's part of the issue is that it's a perception issue more than anything, because I really do think at the end of the day, you can justify a UGA, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State, or Oregon, Michigan State. I think it's money. Well, of course it is. Well, first of all, also we can just be clear about we're putting together the best matchups for our sponsors and for our TV contracts. Which really aren't the best matchups ever because I just saw that four versus one right now, the Oregon-Georgia game, Georgia would be an 18-point favorite, and the Bama would be like a 
Michigan State. Um, not ranked by the College Football Playoff Committee, but ranked by the AP. See if you can spot the – this is from Reddit College Football. See if you can spot the college uh, – I'm sorry, the common theme here. Number 16 in the AP poll, U UTSA. Number 20, Houston. Number 21, Coastal Carolina. Number 23, SMU. Number 24, Louisiana. All five of those teams. One of them up in the top 16 of the AP. Three of them ranked. Three right. of them are on uh, three of them are on Cincinnati schedule. All of them obviously group of five teams. I think the playoff committee has made a drawn a line in the sand and said if you're a group of five team, you're not invited. This is not a playoff, well, this is an invitational. Right. These are the teams. Well, are and to, to have a team that's ranked 16 in the AP and not even be ranked in the playoff, like not even give right. them a 25th, right? We know they're not going right. to the playoff. We know they're not making it. But to take right, but to five acknowledgement. group of five teams, yeah. teams that are ranked. But yeah, five group of five teams that are ranked in the AP and not rank them at all in the playoff committee. This is not for who so gets in. This is just what ranking. would the lines that's, that's what would the lines be of Cincinnati versus any of the four above them? Do we know? With Cincinnati and Georgia, so is like if it's eighteen with Oregon, it's maybe twenty four with Cincinnati. So like not too much different. I, I will tell you this: if the BC to be out right now, it would be Georgia one, Cincinnati two, Oklahoma three, Alabama four, Michigan State five, Ohio State six, Michigan seven, Notre Dame eight, Oregon, Wake Forest ten. It essentially is only what you've done up to this point with those rankings. Right. Um, so here's so my question. Doesn't Wake Forest have every bit of the argument that Cincinnati does? I don't know who Wake Forest's best win is against, but they're about to have to prove it. In these but they're 7-0 and in a Power 5 conference, right? They're an underdog. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that really, I mean, if you just, I, I don't know, if you're watch, watching the eye test, I think Wake has not looked as good as Cincinnati. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're they're ranked ninth I just think now. When, at the end of the out. day, we're going to be able to. And I do think if, if Wake, Wake is an underdog at UNC this weekend. So if they win that, I think they'll get a little bit of a bump. Then they play number mm -hmm. 19, NC State. If they win that, they'll get a little bit more of a bump. Then they go on the road to play Clemson. They win that. I think Clemson name still carries a little bit of weight. They'll get a little bump. Mm -hmm. I don't see a scenario where Wake gets in because I don't. I just don't think they're going to play. Like Wake doesn't have one ranked win yet. I think they're. But best if, if Wake goes undefeated, Wake will be in. I don't see. I don't know. They may not have a ranked win. If Florida State upsets NC State this weekend and then Wake beats them, like they won't be ranked when they have played them. So Wake will not – Wake's wins are Old Dominion, Norfolk, Florida State, UVA, Louisville, Syracuse, Army, Duke, and then they play UNC, NC State, Clemson, and Boston College. And so they really have played absolutely nobody. And then when they win – when they go up against the winner in the other side, I don't know that that's even any better. Who's going to win the Coastal? I mean, Miami's still alive in the Coastal. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll probably be against Pitt, who's ranked 25th right now. So I don't know. I, I I think Cincinnati has a better argument. Cincinnati definitely has better. Well, wins. they might have a better argument, but I I an undefeated ACC champion will end up in the playoffs if that were to happen. I don't know that I think Wake Forest is undefeated, so this is a you know a silly argument to begin with. But I think that an undefeated 
ACC team ends up in the playoffs if that were to happen. But here's the deal. As we've already said, we can justify who the top four are leaving Cincinnati out when we look at the season as a whole and what's to come. It's just the problem that I think they're only supposed to be looking at what's come so far, which is what makes today's poll look stupid. Yeah. The BCS, the AP, and the coaches all disagree. But also, the these- basketball playoff committee, and I hate the playoff committee. I'll just say that. Well, but this is also why the the argument for expansion is kind of stupid because if you're just adding more teams, but the spreads are going to be insane, so you're going to end up with the original four to begin with. What is even the point outside of, I guess, TV money? Oh, that's all it is—is is the money. You know? Yeah. So. Anyway, all right, we're going to have to do picks quick. We probably won't even get – yeah, we'll do them all, but I'm going to have to edit this down a little bit to make it fit in the hour. Um, last week, we both went three and four. We both took Florida State. We pushed there. Uh, you took Michigan State. I took Michigan. I took Wisconsin. You took Iowa. Uh, I, you got Michigan. I got – you got Michigan State. I got Wisconsin. Sheesh. We both took Pitt, missed that. I took UGA, got that. We both took Ole Miss, who lost outright to Auburn. We both took Notre Dame, who beat UNC, and then we split. You took Penn State. I took Ohio State. Ohio State won, but Penn State covered for the season. You are 25 and 33. I'm 29 and 29. You need to win like six of these, so no pressure, but pick six of these right. Okay. Ole Miss is a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against Liberty – Ole Miss lost to Auburn last week, and I know our rule, but I think Ole Miss covers this spread. Yeah, I I do too. Give me Ole Miss. I'm also kind of hoping that by doing this, we will uh, jinx it into a Liberty win. Uh, Florida State is a three-point underdog to North Carolina State. I'll take FSU here. I'm taking FSU too. I don't know why, but I am. Not going to gain on me by picking every single one of my picks. Um, UNC is a two and a half point favorite against those very Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Give me Wake Forest. Yeah, I like Wake Forest as well, mostly just so I can see them go undefeated and not make the playoff, and then I can talk crap to you. So, um, Texas AM is a four and a half point favorite against Auburn. I think that line is set so well, and I really have no clue on this one. I'll do the opposite of whatever you do. All right, give me Auburn. So who do you want? Auburn. Oh, gonna make me cheer for Jimbo like that, huh? Um, mm-hmm. Bama is a 28-and-a-half-point favorite against LSU. I think every time that I say, man, that's just so many points, I think they win and win by a lot, um, I end up regretting it. So give me Bama. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't bet against Nick Saban. Sorry. Um, Kentucky is a one-point favorite against Tennessee. Um, give me Tennessee. I kind of like Tennessee here as well. I'll roll with you on this one. Uh, Florida's an 18-point favorite against South Carolina. Give me South Carolina to cover. I like Florida to win. I'll take Florida. How come? Because I am hoping that Dan Mullen has circled the horses and they're ready to go. Um, Clemson is a four-point favorite against Louisville at Louisville. I like Clemson here. I think give me give me Louisville. Okay. All right, cool. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, our teams will have the same record at four and five. Florida State will pick up a win, and you guys will drop a bad one in South Carolina, so I can make more jokes, and you can tell me why 
Mullen has not lost control. Um, I'm glad that we don't do recruiting on this show because, as you know, we do that after football season. Um, but we appreciate those that tune in and those that enjoy hearing us argue for a little over an hour a week. We enjoy doing it, some of us more than others. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to go watch the rest of this World Series and all the things I bet on. So hope you guys have a good night. Thanks for hanging out and go Noles.